Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Monday Night Therapy with John and Todd. Todd is not here. He's dealing with issues. Issues. He's dealing with issues. That's what he's doing. Well, he's I guess a we all got... football fan. <laughs> I don't even introduce you and you're just coming in shot, shooting shots, man. <laughs> I got to get what I can with football because basketball is just... Oh, oh. Well, I'm, we weren't... Okay, I'm joined by Travis Miller, who started the SB Nation Purdue site, uh, Hammer and Rails, and now you're with Rivals? Yes, uh, the new site is Boiler Upload. Uh, we took over in November for Golden Black Illustrated. They moved to On3, so kind of played a little bit of a shell game here. A couple of my guys from Hammer and Rails came over with me, and we have been running the Rivals site since November 1. So it's it's an exciting thing. It's gone pretty well here these first uh six or seven months so what do you think about rivals i mean you know is it they're paying you a lot more aren't they yeah it's uh it's interesting yeah. i had to uh formally form my own business and i've uh, hired two guys full-time and i'm actually not writing as much so it's kind of nice <laughs> after doing so much for oh my goodness 13 years 13 almost 14 years it's uh <laughs> it's been a ride nobody nobody asked me nobody ever said hey john would you like to go to rivals you know, there was this giant flux. Nobody asked. Nobody said, "Would we want to have the guy that is known for swearing the most out of all Nebraska media and all of Nebraska football? We want him in running our site." Nobody said that. So <laughs> I'm still, you know, I'm still with my site coordination. We do have a burgeoning YouTube channel, though, and I'm thankful for that. We do two live shows a week, which is this is my only socialization. And it, you know, what's good about it, though? You know, what's good about it? Huh. I have to change my shirt twice a week at least. Oh, uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I, which is... I, I figured you guys would like this. I am wearing the Greg Long uh, shirt uh, celebrating uh, Purdue. And uh, for those of the uninitiated, he is the Purdue offensive linesman that picked up the beer and drank it on the field at Iowa two years ago uh, during Purdue's 24-7 upset of the then number two Hawkeyes. And I'm sure – that gained a lot of attention, and uh, he became a good friend of your program at that moment. Well, you know, every, anything bad that happens to Iowa, we're for. Wait, <laughs> let's go with Purdue. Should we just – should we start with baseball or football? Uh -huh, should we get baseball out of the way? Yeah, you guys you guys beat us two to one. No, here's what the question I want to ask you about baseball. Sure. We all know the situation last year about the tarp. Mm -hmm. And my question for you – is this if that happened in Nebraska, I would want that coach fired because I think if you don't respect the game enough to compete and play it, you shouldn't be coaching it. 
How is Purdue Purdue's baseball program is not doing well under is a Greg Goff? Yeah, I I think honestly the uh, the general concern among Purdue baseball fans with that is what. <laughs> I think I'm one of the very few out there that really promotes and pushes the baseball program. Uh, I I started doing that a few years ago because my wife is a big college baseball fan, having gone to the University of Miami, and she's kind of turned me on to it. It's fun to go to. They've got some great – it's a great atmosphere to go to, a lot of fun. But uh, we're not great at baseball. We've made the tournament three times, uh, and two of those have been since 2012. So – when we won the Big Ten in 2012, it broke a hundred and hundred and three year streak of not winning the Big Ten. <laughs> oh my God, I remember that. Now you bring it up. So um, we don't have much of a program, uh, and kind of helped this year was be a little bit better than last year because uh, they started very very strong last year. We're the last undefeated team in the country. And this year just never really came together. I think their longest win streak was only four or five games, and they had a lot of uh, a lot of games where just the bullpen couldn't close out the job. Uh, all three starting pitchers will be back next year, so there, there's some hope, but it's just kind of a middling program right now, and we just missed the Big Ten tournament because we lost the series to Nebraska. So, so there is there a lot of there's not much pressure then for baseball. No, not really. Um, the previous coach, uh, Mark Wazikowski, he came in. Uh, he replaced Doug Schreiber, who was there forever. Uh, he's actually still coaching at Purdue Fort Wayne. So, uh, but Schreiber's an alum. He won the Big Ten in 2012 with us, and then kind of tailed down. Wazikowski came in and took a team that had won 10 games in Schreiber's final year and two years later had him in the NCAA tournament, which is probably a large reason why he is now coaching at Oregon and doing very right. And it's just kind of been the, uh, eh, around 500 and not a lot of pressure. I mean, I, it's just kind of a, whatever sport really for us. I would love to see them do better, but they just kind of like that consistency and Wazikowski showed what they can do. But uh, I, I don't think any guy that is that successful is going to stay very long, unfortunately. Right. Uh, I, you know, I'm constantly on record thinking the big 10 needs to do more to up the level of baseball. I mean, Maryland, Maryland won the big 10 for the second year in a row and mm-hmm. their RPI is 45. I mean, if this conference was a decent conference, I would expect their conference, their RPI would be, I don't know, 8, 12, somewhere in there. Yeah, and <sighs> I mean, the, we've seen that the Big Ten champion can host a regional. I know Purdue's done it, Indiana's done it, Maryland did it last year, Illinois has done it. It's just, there's not a lot of consistency. It seems like these teams, they build up for you know a two-year run, and then they have to totally retool. And At least that's been the case for Purdue. All right, football. The sport everybody wants to know about anyway. <laughs> so, so 2022, Jeff Brom wins the Big Ten West, and then he leaves. Your reaction to that, when I, was this something you all knew? It wasn't a total surprise. Uh, we kind of saw it all year because we knew that the Louisville job, there was a very good chance it was going to come open. I heard all the rumors around Satterfield. And then Satterfield was fairly successful down there this year and just ended up leaving for Cincinnati. So as soon as that came open, with it being the second time, I believe it was open uh, since Brom had been at Purdue, weren't really surprised that he left. Uh, his heart's kind of been there. And... Really, it was, I mean, 
you kind of saw it all season. It, it was, you know, he just the way the comments were, the way the atmosphere was around the program, very successful year, but there were also a lot of players that it was ending their time as well. Again, it was one of these cycle classes where this was the year that he was kind of building to. And then next year it was going to be a, a bit more of a rebuilding year. So I'm not shocked. I don't blame him. I mean, if he wants to go home, he wants to go home. Uh, he has definitely left the program in a significantly better space than it was uh, when Daryl Hazel was here. I mean, Daryl <laughs> Hazel won nine games in four years. And in 2021, Brom won nine games in one season. So, um, you know, he left it better. We've won 17 games the last two years, made it to the Big Ten Championship, had a couple other close calls in there where, you know, could have had 19, 20 wins in there just with who we were playing and if you have an off game. And so, you know, I'm I'm happy with what he did. He really couldn't have done – you couldn't ask for much more, really, from him. So you get Ryan Walters, Ryan Walters, right? I have paid – I'll be honest with you. I've kind of paid attention to Iowa, what they're doing in the offseason. I paid a little bit of attention in Minnesota because I live here. Wisconsin, just because, I mean, Luke Fickle was a big hire. Ryan Walters, there's like no press. You know what it was? You know what it was? It was uh, nobody's talking about Purdue football because everybody's talking about <laughs> Purdue basketball, number one in the nation, and they just uh. – Oh, I, man, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, because of you, I didn't really want to take it out on Purdue fans very <laughs> badly. I really wanted, if, if I didn't know you, I would have gone after Purdue fans with a, a vengeance that I reserved for Iowa. But I thought, God, those guys just have so much pain. It, yeah, it's, uh, the last three years we've lost to a 13, a 15, and a 16 seed. The last two years, we've been ranked number one in the season and lost to a 15 and a 16 seed. And honestly, this last one, it's the worst loss in NCAA tournament history. I mean, yeah. you can't sugarcoat it. The team won the Big Ten by three games, won the Big Ten tournament, was ranked number one for seven weeks. But what are people going to remember? Lost to a 16 seed, got swept yeah. by Indiana. You yeah. lost the three most important games of the season. <laughs> I mean, how, how did uh, we, we'll, just so everybody's listening, I know we're in Nebraska, we're not big basketball guys, but I got to get through this. Uh, Matt Painter, I mean, what, what do you do with this? I have no idea. Um, I really don't. I mean, regular season Matt Painter, fantastic. Fantastic. This team exceeded expectate, every expectation set before right. it by late December. And really was way ahead of schedule with the two freshman guards in the backcourt. And then, you know, I still don't understand what happened against Fairleigh Dickinson. I mean, I, I know we didn't shoot well. Edie still got his. Your in guards the wouldn't shoot the ball. They were terrified. Yes. I mean, but the last five minutes, they were terrified to shoot the basketball. So yeah. um, uh, I, I was actually discussing this right before I hopped on uh, on Twitter. I put it out there. I'm going to be in Phoenix this Friday. And uh, uh, that is the site of the next Final Four. I asked what kind of sacrifice or <laughs> ceremony I needed to do to try and break this hex because I'm convinced there are dark forces at work after all this. I mean, I was in Louisville for the Virginia game. I was sitting courtside. You, it, I've seen myself on the replay at doing this. That's how close I was. So um, there was a great suggestion. Someone suggests that I go to... The uh, football stadium there, uh, 
University of Phoenix Stadium or State Farm Stadium or whatever they're calling it these days. And I take some sort of Purdue pin or whatever, and I bury it in the ground next to it. And I think I'm seriously going to do this because, I mean, what else? <laughs> I can't hurt. I think you should take Purdue Pete's head. I can't fit a shovel on the plane. <laughs> you, can't, you know what? When I go places, all I think is I have my wallet and my phone. I can buy anything I want when I get there. Purdue Pete's head, you know, I mean, just leave it halfway out of the ground. People will understand. Well, there, there's a precedent for this because in 2015, I went to a Cubs game and I got to run the bases at Wrigley Field with my then two-year-old son. And he is named after my beloved grandfather, who was a diehard Cubs fan. And as we're waiting to run the bases, I managed to get just a little bit of the infield dirt. And I later took it and I put it on his grave. And they won the World Series 14 months later. So I'm not saying that I had anything to do with this. But But you're saying that. Okay. Here, Fred Sacco, guy that comments all the time. John was a huge fan of Fairleigh Dickinson. Farley. What? There was a joke everybody made. Were they, you know, they, I don't know. I kind of checked out the rest of that weekend. Dickinson, I can't remember. I made it. Uh, now I can't even remember what the joke was. All right. I, but there's no, there's no solution for the basketball thing. I mean, the, I just, I don't know. I mean, Zach Eady returns. They were about 50, 50 that he's going to return. And if he does, You've got a preseason top five team, probably favored in the Big Ten. Right. It's going to have everything before it. But, I mean, I've seen this going on. You know, you talk about hurt. This wasn't just 2023. I can go back to 1988 for this kind of crap. I mean, (laughs) and just the number of times. Purdue has been a number one seed four times. And of those four times, they've only made the Sweet 16 twice. Right. And, uh, you know, now you have one of the worst losses in tournament history. I don't know, man. It's it, I really think this program is just cursed to have the worst things happen to it after March 15th of every season. I mean, we've had we've had injuries. We've had the bad luck losing on a on a last second shot. We've been upset. We've just played poorly. We've had the bad draw. You know, I, yeah. Uh, this team is cursed. This team is cursed. <laughs> okay, football, football. Ryan Walters. What would you, what was your immediate reaction when you heard Ryan Walters was your head coach? I was. Uh, I kind of wanted to reserve judgment. I know we had. You know, anytime you have a coaching opening, you put out all the names of who you want to get and everything. And uh, I don't think he was on a lot of people's you know early radar. But now that he's been named and kind of what we've seen him do and everything, I'm very intrigued by it. Um, probably the thing that has me most intrigued is he's very young. Um, yes. He's one of the youngest head coaches in Division One, honestly. And his whole staff is young. Uh, I've got to get used to the fact that Purdue, most of Purdue's coaching staff is now younger than I am. When, you know, for the longest time, Brahms in his 50s, much of his staff was, you know, in his 50s and very well seasoned and been around a lot. But uh, I kind of like what he's doing. He's going with a very young staff. You can tell that the vibe is very different around the program. Uh, Just a little bit more upbeat. He seems to be relating to the coaches a little bit better, or to the coaches, to the players a little bit better. And he's managed to just change the vibe. 
you know, there's nothing that like there wasn't like a major, oh, this was going on in the locker room behind the scenes or whatever. But from everything that I've seen and what everybody was saying is the Barom thing had kind of run its course. And right. I think some of the players were like, OK, we're tired of you flirting with Louisville. You know, we want you to be here for us. And now he's come in and those that have stayed, because obviously you've got the transfer pearl and everything. It seems like he's connecting, and I'm really excited. we got a new quarterback coming from Texas with Hudson Card, pairing him with one of the hotter offensive coordinators in Graham Harrell, and that's going to be interesting to see. It's uh, going to be a challenging year, but I think that the pieces are there that they could surprise, and you know, I don't think they're going to win the Big Ten West again, but you know, I mean, a bowl game, I think, is a reasonable expectation. Well, we have about 40 minutes to cover, so... <laughs> okay, Ryan Walters. He's the defensive. He was the defensive coordinator of what? Missouri, right? Illinois. Was he at Missouri at all? Uh, no, he was from Colorado. Okay, uh, that's where he played in college. Okay, so he's evil. We have a reason to hate him, Husker fans. <laughs> he already has the black and gold thing going on for him. So you know. Start. He played at Colorado. I didn't know that. God. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sure he played at Colorado. So there's a new level a, of hate. There's a new level of hate we can have for Purdue right there. Uh, he was a, a what was it? The Frank Broyles Award winning. You know how they give the best assistant coach award thing. I think he did that. He's a defensive minded coach, which is different for you guys. He's brought in Graham Harrell who obviously was a Texas Tech quarterback and runs – he's an air raid disciple. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see – He's uh, definitely – We're going to see the air raid? Yeah, but that's what Purdue does. <laughs> it is kind Purdue of – That's what Purdue does. So, so you guys are okay with that. You're, you're fine with the, the air raid. Yeah, I mean, that's – what got Purdue back on the map when Joe Tiller came in. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of people say that uh, he brought the forward pass to the big 10. And I remember those first few years, he's lining up five wide receivers. And, you know, most of the opponents were like, had never seen anything like that before in the big 10. And so he wins nine games his first year. I think a lot on, okay, what the hell, how do we defend this? You can have five receivers out there. I liked I liked but, watching Joe Tiller Purdue. I I mean I I have watched a lot of college football my entire life, not just the conferences Nebraska played in, but uh, I did like Joe Tiller's Purdue offense. It was fun, and it was you know they were well Drew Brees, right? Yeah, I it, mean noted football enthusiast. <laughs> it's interesting to note that when Nebraska looks at somebody and they go, we're going to run the ball and we're going to have a fullback, we all go, oh, God, a fullback. And you guys look at this and you go, oh, an air raid, five wide receivers. Oh. You know, so it's a difference <laughs> of, you know, there's a lot, just a lot of Nebraska people who just believe, and I want you to, to address this, that uh, that you can't run the air raid and be successful in the Big Ten. And a lot of people are going to go, well, Purdue was never successful in the Big Ten. And you can't throw the ball in November. So yeah, that's, I mean, Brom struggled with that because his was a pass-heavy offense. And that that was one of the knocks against him is he his team's always struggled if the weather was bad. I mean, they had a loss to Minnesota in the pouring rain. They had a loss to Iowa this past year when it was windy and everything else. And uh, that always was an issue. But, I mean, climate change is coming for us all anyway. It's going to be a balmy 75 degrees in late November (laughs) 
for too long. So, <laughs> but I, honestly, I think it'll be fine. I mean, if you're at Purdue, you have to do something different. Um, we had Daryl Hazel come in and he tried to turn him into trestle ball, Ohio state. And again, nine wins in four years that didn't work. So you're going to have to throw some, uh, throw some wrenches into the system here. If you're, want to be successful with a team like Purdue just because we're never going to be able to just light it up and run it down a team's throat. So, okay. Hudson card came from Texas. That's good. Yeah. Texas. And uh, he, he's had some starting experience down there. I can understand why he jumped in the portal when they've got Quinn Ewers and uh, some Manning kid. I don't know if he's ever got much of a lineage or anything, but um, <laughs> but uh, I think that uh, he's he's got the bona fides and everything, and I think he's the unquestioned starter from day one. Uh, we did bring in a transfer recently from Arizona State, but I don't think he played while he was there because um, if Card goes down, our next most experienced passer is wide receiver Abdur Rahman Yassin, who completed a pass in the bowl game. <laughs> really. Yeah, on a trick play and that you saw the score of our bowl game that might have been one of the few successful plays we ran so 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 who is the who is the backup um honestly right now it's a good question uh we've heard some uh there's a player by the name of kyle adams who played uh quarterback at west lafayette high and has walked onto the team and i guess he's done relatively well in practice uh he's probably the next most experienced guy on the roster and then uh you've got other than that it's going to be i think i believe it's ryan brown is a true freshman coming in with the recruiting class and then uh the name escapes me for the Arizona state transfer so uh right now it's pretty much in hudson card we trust so <laughs> and, and-, and what can what concerns me there is uh we seem to be trying to run an offense without any offensive tackles at the moment. So I would like to pick up a few in the, in the transfer portal after we lost a few in the portal. Well, Nebraska has run kind of an offense the past few years without any tackles. I mean, they, they had guys that were labeled as offensive tackles, but they really weren't. And it does not work very well. I think I you know. Think so. I think if they if they passed a rule where you could like put a cardboard box on the field and just it, if a guy knocked it over, it was a five yard gain automatically. You know what I mean? Said here's the cardboard box in place of the offensive tackle. He might have that cardboard box probably would have been better than our tackles. We're hoping that that changes this year, but God only knows what's going to happen. So receivers. We've got some decent receivers, honestly. Um, Charlie Jones. Obviously, Charlie Jones had a fantastic year. He's off to the NFL. And, you know, he ended up one year at Purdue. He breaks like the single season receiving records. And that to me, that's just impressive. Uh, but th- there's a decent amount of experience back. I mentioned Yassin. He's a uh, four star, former four-star receiver that has had some decent moments, but he's struggled to stay healthy. And the same is true for Mershon Rice. Both of them could be pretty solid on the outside, I would say. And then uh, you have TJ Sheffield. He's the most experienced receiver. He's been there a while. Um, He's had a couple of big games for us. And I look for him to be more of the slot guy. And, you know, just a lot of guys that they may not have put up big numbers so far, but uh, they've got some promise and some talent. I know Elisha Canyon was a transfer from Auburn who looked pretty good in the first couple games last year before he got hurt. So... I mean, it's a matter of can they can these guys stay healthy? And uh, you've got a couple others that I think are intriguing coming out of 
red shirt. One of them's by the uh, Zion Steptoe is his name, and uh, I've heard he can be pretty good and show some flashes and whatnot. But it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens. Maccabee, is that yours? That's your yes. guy, isn't yes. it? Is he gonna be a starter? Yes. Yes, he is. Uh, he's gonna be a starter, and boy, what a what a home out coming out party for him last year. He did not play at all in the season opener against Penn State. He did not play uh, very much in the second game of the season. He got in at the very end against Indiana State when we were blowing them out by seven touchdowns. And then all of a sudden, he just took off and uh, set a new uh, freshman rushing record at Purdue. Nearly had a thousand yard season. And uh, boy, he was he was impressive. He gave Purdue a good burst. He's uh, very elusive. He's hard to hard to get a hold of. I mean, look, there's one run he had against Minnesota where he changes the field like four or five times before breaking out, and it was a 60-yard run that salted the game away. So I'm excited to see what he can do as the featured guy. Um, Tyrone Tracy, a former Iowa guy, is going to back him up, as well as Dylan Downing, who's got some experience. So we've got three decent running backs that will be involved within the offense quite a bit. And that's why I don't think it's going to be a true air raid where we're going to be throwing 50 or 60 times because we got some guys that can carry the football and uh, mix it up a little bit too. Well, that mockaby kid, I don't know. Do you ever play high school football? Oh no, I was too small in high school. <laughs> you know, the, the problem with that mockaby kid is nobody wants to tackle a guy by like that because even if you tackled him four feet off the ground, you got a good chance of getting a helmet, you know, right in the knee, right to the head. Because he's such uh, just legs and arms flying all over the place and you don't know which part to hit. I, he, I like. He was a state champion, and he was a state champion in the hurdles in <laughs> high school. So he's got some track speed. He can jump. He can do a little bit of everything and man he he was fun to watch and his family man they are they've talked to us and we've had them on a podcast before and everything they are they're just so elated that he that it has taken off and you know one of the first things ryan walters did when he got to west lafayette was like okay you were a walk-on well not anymore you ran for 100 yards against my defense here's a scholarship son so he's on scholarship rightfully so and it's, it's great to see <sighs> He was one of the players that I really honestly would turn on a game just to watch, just to see how the def other defense would try to play against him. But, uh, okay, offensive line. You're, you, you don't have one. <laughs> We've got the pieces of an offensive line, honestly. Uh, there's a couple of returning starters that uh, have got a lot of experience. Um, I'm thinking center Gus Hartwig. He's battled some injuries throughout his career, but he's very, very solid in the middle. And uh, we got a couple other starters. Uh, I believe both guard spots are pretty much taken care of with Marcus and Bo and uh, Mahamane Musa. Both of those guys are redshirt sophomores and uh, they kind of came on last year and played some real big roles, but <sighs> tackle right now is going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> Uh, just because they've they've tried to address it within the uh, within the transfer portal, they've gotten a few guys like Luke Griffin from Missouri and uh, Jalen Grant from Bowling Green, but uh, there's not really. I think we might have one true tackle that we know of on the on the roster, and uh, you, you need at least two, from what I've heard. From the, I've heard that too. I think we, we, you know, we'll see what happens with Nebraska's line this year. I mean, like I said, we our offensive tackles were pretty terrible. The, well, under that guy we fired, 
I, I don't think we had an offensive line. I mean, we we worked Cam Jurgens into being an NFL center, but that's about the only thing I think you can really hang your hat on with his tenure on the offensive line. Recruit as, as Walters. What what's your impression? I mean, finish his sentence, John. What's your impression <laughs> of him in recruiting? Before we get to your defense, I mean, we've seen Matt Rule. I think go out for Nebraska and try to get in-state guys to commit to Nebraska. Well, what we actually have seen is Matt Rule actually make an effort in recruiting, which is something different that we did saw under the previous coaching staff because they just said, I, I'm Scott Frost and thought people were going to, you know, oh, we're coming to Nebraska. And so what's your, <laughs> what's your impression of Ryan Walters so far in his recruiting prowess? Uh, it's been interesting. Uh, obviously, when you come in in December, of you're right in the middle of the recruiting cycle, and he his first task was trying to keep as many guys that were already committed for 2023 uh, on board. And then now this is really the first coaching cycle where we've had the transfer portal be a major thing. So he's been hitting the transfer portal. He's gotten some guys from major conferences to come over which is encouraging. He managed to hold on to a decent number of the players within uh, the 2023 class. Uh, they were able to sign in, uh, in December and whatnot. And then in 2024, he's really gone all over. Um, his biggest pickup so far is a quarterback by the name of Marcos Davila from Midland, Texas. So like you mentioned that Drew Brees guy, uh, we have a lot of history with the uh, <laughs> quarterbacks from texas so he's a four-star you know looks like the guy he wants in graham harrell's offense so right now it's a case of hopefully he'll come in and after this coming season and be able to work behind hudson card and uh you know take off once he's ready to go and then you know he's recruited texas he's recruited tennessee he's been able to get some of the guy top guys here in state so i think he's doing relatively well and we'll see how well things go over the summer but uh, as I'm sure you know, transfer portal, man, it's putting the whole roster in flux yeah. right now. And so uh, I, I'm sure we're not the only program in the nation that has uh, <laughs> that's going to have a lot of new faces and be like, OK, who are you? And uh, just a matter of can he get it to fit together? And if he can, I think it can be a successful year this year. OK, is there a comment before we actually started this show on YouTube from big the big time boiler? I think a lot of people are sleeping on this Purdue team. Interested to hear the talking points from Travis. They definitely improved the roster from where it was going into this season. What do you think of that? I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit better. Uh, I'm trying to have measured expectations just because, you know, we do have to replace a starting quarterback. We do have to replace an All-American wide receiver. Uh, there's quite a few players on the offensive line that transferred out. We've lost some people in defense. The secondary is a major question, but if it can come together and that's going to be the real test, I, I think the pieces are there and uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, the non-conference season is not insanely difficult, but it's not easy either. Um, we open with Fresno state and you know, that's a team that, <laughs> They're always going to be dangerous uh, just from their background and everything. Then we go to Virginia Tech, which they were three and nine last year, but it's still a road game at Virginia Tech. Right. And then we host Syracuse. And Syracuse was a team Purdue had them beat last year. And 
kind of piddled the game away in the last minute. It's one that should have won last year. So, uh, you know, I think uh, once we get into the Big Ten, we didn't get any favors. We got to play Michigan and Ohio State from the East. Right. So, <laughs> and then we have to play Wisconsin, and we never beat Wisconsin anyway. So, I honestly, I don't know what's going to happen first. Purdue beats Wisconsin in football. Purdue basketball makes a Final Four, or the heat death of the universe. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, you guys always have one guy on your defensive line that's like some kind of first round NFL destroy machine, right? <laughs> Oh, uh, that was George Gerlaftis a few years right. ago. But uh, uh, Kyron Jenkins, is uh, the, he had the most sacks last year. He had eight sacks and had a pretty solid season. I look for him to have a pretty, you know, he'll be kind of the anchor up there and uh, got to reshuffle the tackles a little bit more. And then uh, looking for Corday Seednor to come off the edge. He had a pretty solid year last year. So I think you're going to see a lot of different looks from this team. You might have that hybrid 3-4-4-3 where you got the one linebacker that puts his hand in the dirt on occasion and whatnot and uh, I'm curious to see what Walters does here just I think he's going to give Graham Harrell free reign of the offense and we saw what Walters can do with the defense with what he did at Illinois I mean that was a pretty nasty defense last year and produced a guy that got picked in the top five so give him a year or two and uh, see what can happen I'm, I'm excited to see what can happen you said the secondary was weak, though. Yeah, uh, it's uh, again a lot of transfers. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've got Sanusi Kane is probably the guy with the most experience at safety, uh, but you know a bunch of guys that haven't played, haven't seen a lot of time. Uh, Cam Allen is pretty promising. He's also a safety, but cornerback is a major question right now. Um, take your pick of who's going to be the starter on opening day, whether it's going to be uh, one of the transfers. Uh, Jamari Brown does have a lot of experience. Uh, he was a starter the last couple of years, but uh, I know haven't been too, a lot of fans haven't been too happy with him. He's had some moments, but he's had some moments where he struggled as well. So that is an area that they have hit hard in the transfer portal. And uh, I look for hopefully somebody will step up there. The two areas where we need, people to step up or cornerback and tackle. Those those are number one, number two is quarterback and offensive tackle. Okay. All right. Fred Sacco again with this comment. Fred says, what is Purdue's nil situation? Do they try or do they act like Iowa and tell recruits to email them at their CompuServe email address? <laughs> Well, actually, uh, it, the NIL situation we discussed last night on our podcast because uh, relating to Zach Eady, and it's a case of um, they are working on a package for Zach Eady that hopefully will bring him back, uh, depending on what he gets from the draft evaluation here. And I'll, that's what makes it kind of 50 50. Uh, he's projected as a late second round pick. Honestly, he might be able to make more money if he returns to Purdue. Uh, but the other moving part of that is he's Canadian and he has to get his visa situation settled before he can get paid in America. So uh, there's a lot of moving parts there, but it seems like a lot of the NIL is working with uh, trying to work with Zach Eady. Uh, I know the basketball team, everybody had a little bit last year on that, but Eady is the primary target right now. And then for football, you know, again, you know, we at least have this shirt. You know, <laughs> Greg Long got a few extra bucks for picking up a beer and chugging it 
<laughs> it's just a lot of little things and you know they'll do some local ads and everything else so there is a you know consortium if you will uh trying uh, trying to set up some deals and whatnot but it's the wild west i mean well, you, okay <laughs> you guys sound like you're just the opposite of nebraska where we look at it and we go how much are we going to pay that quarterback and then when the basketball comes along we go what's that sport you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I mean, it's not I mean, that bad, but you know what I mean? We have our, our priority is football, you know, and then there's basketball, you know, is that the same for Purdue where it's basketball and then football kind of. I, I think football has improved its profile in recent seasons just because it's gotten a lot better. And that's, what's always going to be the moneymaker. You know, we're going to sell out Mackey arena every game, but if you can sell out Ross stadium for, you know, four or five times a year, that's going to make a lot more money for you. So, uh, you know, we recognize that football pays the bills and I'm happy that they've been able to improve the program from the Daryl Hazel days when you barely had 25,000 people showing up. So we, as we were losing by five touchdowns, but in the third quarter. So, you know, I, it's nice to see, I think the passion of the fans is always going to have basketball first, just because we're seeking that national title. We we're seeking that breakthrough. We have that school in Bloomington always, you know, having their air of superiority to us and everything else. And it's just, you know, I honestly, as a longtime fan, I know that Purdue football is never going to seriously compete for a national title. I mean, a season like the last two where we made a big 10 championship. And then the year before we won nine games, I'm like, Hey, that's great. Nine and four beat an sec team in a bowl game. That's fantastic. I mean, everybody was happy basketball. It's like every loss, every loss is like an indictment of the program. It seems on, on the boards and whatnot. And you know, it's like, Oh, what do we do? What painter do now? Why can't painter do this? Who's going to hold painter accountable? And it's like, relax, guys. <laughs> Nobody goes undefeated in basketball. So James Marshall comes in with a comment: Purdue football is such an enigma. <laughs> and I honestly, I think that really sums it up in a sentence, doesn't it? I can't I'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I can't figure out the enigma of it either, man. It's like, again, never going to be a national title contender. I, if in the expanded playoff, if we made the playoff field once in a twenty-year span, that's you know cause for celebration. But you've got the bizarre hex that they have over top five teams when we're unranked. I mean, Jeff Brom did it three times where he beat a top five team. Do <laughs> you have the strange hex where? I think Ohio State has lost like 10 Big Ten games away from home this century, and five of them have been in West Lafayette. They have, they have a losing record in West Lafayette this century. They're three and five. The Big Ten <laughs> has I, it just does just weird things that happen between teams. It's just uh, – I, I don't think Nebraska fans understood that before we moved, and then we moved in with a clean slate, and we're kind of like, what the hell is this chaos? Of course, we haven't been as good <laughs> since, but – you know, again, there, there's these weird things like this that happen in the Big Ten that nobody knows. This is why I believe we're just living in a simulation and people that run the simulation are just, you know, they each have their little things that they stick. I want Purdue to beat Ohio State whenever they're playing in West Lafayette. 
and they're ranked in the top five. I don't know. Uh, let's see what else. I'm we- not going to complain. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it is that that, that is. Uh, okay, the Big Ten. Have we covered everything on Purdue football? I mean, do you? What do you think? Give me a record. What do you think is going to happen? I'm thinking six or six and seven and five. Uh, I think they can get at least two of the three non-conference games, and that's going to set the stage. We still get to play Northwestern. We still get to play Indiana. Uh, we get to play in the Big Ten West, which, you know, no offense, there's not a lot of scary teams there. I <clears throat> I have no delusions of beating Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, I had, you know, if we beat Wisconsin – I'll believe it when it actually happens because we've lost like 17 in a row to Wisconsin. We haven't beaten them in 20 years. Oh my God, that's right. So, oh. Yes, it's it's been absurd and only really come close to beating them once in a triple overtime game in 2018. So, but uh, but everybody else, I mean, you know, Purdue has had a hex with uh, Kirk Ferentz of late and has, you know, last year it struggled against Iowa, but, you know, they've walked into Iowa City and won and, you know, Iowa's offense, they're the type of team you get up on them 10 nothing. the game's over. So, right. <laughs> and, you know, I, they could beat Iowa. They could beat Minnesota at home pretty easily. You know, we get the gift of playing Indiana every year. I like that. Um, Illinois is going to be interesting to see what happens with their defense and where they go from last year because they were solid. But, you know, we still won in Champaign. So, you know, I'll, I'll take six and six, seven and five. I think that's a good first year. Beetle B says, I had Runza today. Do you know what a Runza is? I have no idea. <laughs> have you ever heard of a B-Rock? No, I do not. No, I have not. <laughs> Runza is a restaurant in Nebraska. It It is, it's like a, oh my God, I can't, I can't even explain. I haven't had a Runza for a while. But it, it is a Nebraska-based restaurant that makes like uh, a, hamburger and like cheese filled the bun is all around it how in the hell am i not explaining this somebody in the comments explain <laughs> what a runza is for god's sakes i haven't had it well, there's, Nebraska a, wait, is the, there's a cat in the picture <laughs> what the hell is yes this? my cat has hopped on the table ventress okay. get down okay fine whatever okay but uh nebraska is the only big 10 stadium i have not seen purdue play in yet and I was going to go in 2020 when it was the season opener uh, on Labor Day weekend just because it is a long drive out there. Uh, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it this year. <laughs> but uh, I do want to see them play in every Big Ten stadium. That's the only one I got left, at least until USC and UCLA and uh, the University of Pyongyang and McGill and whoever the hell they're going to add in the next 20 years. Okay. Wait a minute. That I well, Linda, Linda Wilkins, who's a, a regular, uh, comes in and says it's hamburger, cabbage, and onion wrapped in sweet bread dough. That sounds a little bit like, like a kulachi, honestly. You know what? The, you know what? I, the, we were talking about cold games earlier. The key is that Nebraska games. If it's cold out, you buy two runs as you stick them in your pants. You're never cold. <laughs> they literally could last for days. You buy in steaming hot. And they're honest to God, the best hand warmers or whatever else you want warm. Uh, and uh, well, here we go. Here's some more coming in. Roger Moore runs equals ground beef, diced cabbage, and melted cheese in a flat bread. Mm. 
I try it. They yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, for me, because I have to, I have to have a. <laughs> Fred Sacco comes in with ground beef, cabbage, onions wrapped in a doughy pouch, not to be confused with Ben Gates' doughy pouch. <laughs> but I, I, I eat a low salt diet, so when I eat any kind of fast food, it, it, it's really heavily salt, salt to me. So I don't really eat. I don't. Eat, I haven't had a runs in it quite a while. Uh, let's see what else. The Big Ten. Well, I got two directions in which we can go. Kevin Ward's an idiot and proved himself to be an idiot. Or the fact that this coming season is a huge year. Uh, in 2023, is going to be the last year of the Big Ten West, really. Have you looked at the different scheduling options where they have flex rivals scheduling? They're looking at, like, maybe keeping two, maybe playing three. What do you think of the scheduling of the future for the Big Ten? It's, I mean, I don't even know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to keep divisions or if they're going to split into four divisions. Uh, you know, one of the jokes that I've had is uh, I can see them not only adding USC and UCLA, but also Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, Washington, Washington State, and uh, Oregon, Oregon State. And then you split into two divisions, East and West, with the Big Ten Championship game on New Year's Day in Pasadena. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But <laughs> do you think they're going to be expanding but, that soon? I mean, if you listen, I, honestly, I didn't expect UC, USC and UCLA to be coming along. Uh, I was on vacation last year and, it, you know, you know how it went. It cropped up in the morning like USC and UCLA are close to joining the Big Ten. You're like, oh, this isn't happening. This has got to be a joke. And then five hours later, it was legit and they were putting it on BTN. So. Who knows what they're going to do? Uh, you always hear about, you know, are they going to add more of the West Coast schools? Are they going to try and dip into the ACC? The one thing that I just like is Purdue is locked in. We're one of the original members of the Big right. Ten, so we don't have this great history, but we get to keep that money train going because we started this whole thing back in 18-whatever. <laughs> 1892? Something like that. I, just Look so up. you know, I am doing college football history videos, and I started in 1869, and I'm going forward on my YouTube channel. So you should send people from your rival site over to my YouTube channel to look at college football history videos. All right? Right. And look up James H. Smart, the uh, Purdue president that like organized the first Big Ten. He has the greatest mustache in history. I will remember you need, that. You need to find a picture of him because it is an incredible mustache. So, okay, we're looking at USC, UCLA coming in, and one of the things I always bring up on, on these podcasts or, or this YouTube channel, whatever, is that where Nebraska wants to be, if we're going to be successful as a program, we want to be in the top four. And the top four to me is going to be Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, UCLA, Realistically, with them coming in, it's going to be Ohio State, <clears throat> Michigan, USC, probably as Lincoln Riley is there, and they're recruiting. And then there's – who's number four in that, do you think? I mean, I think Penn State's right there. They, you know, they rightfully got the – they got the bid this year. They went to the – they were in the Rose Bowl, weren't they? Yeah, they were in the Rose Bowl. 
but, you know, they were a solid number three this year. Their only two losses were to Michigan and Ohio State. And, you know, Purdue was right there with them this past year and, you know, was about a play or two away from beating them in the season opener. And, you know, now that we look back on it, Purdue probably would have gone to the Rose Bowl if they had won that game uh, just because they would have had one more conference win. They would have been easily the number three team in the, in the conference. And, uh, you know, I think they've got an edge up on that. Uh, but the rest of it's just kind of a grab bag. I mean, Wisconsin's just one of those programs that they, they're they never quite there, but they're always really, really good. Uh, they've dipped a little bit, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do under Fickle here. And, um, you know, I, I think they've got an advantage. You know, Iowa's always solid, at least. Uh, <laughs> Iowa's Iowa. Right. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> So uh, it's it's tough to say if there's a, a, a you know a number four team there, and I, I think it could be one that it just changes year by year by year. I don't know anything. What else? Kevin Warren in this whole uh, they, I was on a show just earlier. There's this whole YouTube environment of college football people that I'm plugging into you now that I never did in the past what 15 years at SB Nation, but now on YouTube, I'm starting to build a whole th different thing there. But uh, I was on a show earlier with a voice of college football, Michigan guy, and we were talking about that it's now up to $65 million the Big Ten is going to owe Fox be because of this whole uh, – in case you guys haven't heard this, apparently Kevin Warren, our beloved former Big Ten commissioner <laughs> – Highly beloved by me. I know you guys knew that. Uh, former, t he gave the uh, what was it, the Big Ten conference championship game to NBC when the, he really didn't have the rights to do that, and they're going to have to pay Fox back for that. And then they owe money to Fox because of the COVID years, because there wasn't enough programming. And then he's uh, we're up to sixty-five million dollars now. And I realize that it's a billion-dollar contract, and you kind of look at it and go, well, they'll make it up. But it's still – you hired an idiot that basically gave I, – I think something would happen to me if I gave away $65 million out of incompetence. <laughs> it's – Honestly, I still don't see why what benefit adding USC and UCLA adds to the conference because, yeah, you're getting a few extra million dollars, but look at the budgets that you're going to have for travel. I mean, who's excited to watch Rutgers play USC on a Thursday night in January in basketball? But uh, that's going to be one of those uh, the Big Ten Networkers contractually obligated to uh, broadcast this game games. So, um I yeah, will. I, I, I will watch that game. I will watch that game just to say, just to be on Twitter and say, by God, somebody's watching Rutgers USC. And I mean, come on, you got to be excited that they're adding UCLA a literally, they, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, I know who basketball blue bud powerhouses are. I kind of have a good idea, but certainly one of them is UCLA and they are joining your conference. You have to be excited yeah. about that. Uh, Come on. I don't know. Fake it. I, I, I'm old school. I like it how it was. I, I, I like it back when it was 10 members. I was fine with Penn State and Nebraska joining, but it started to get too crazy when Rutgers and Maryland showed up. I'm like, really? Why are you guys here? How, how old are you, <laughs> Travis? I am 43. 43 is not old enough to become old man I hate change guy. 
I was going to Purdue football before Penn State joined the conference. So <sighs> you're not you're not excited about UCLA. Come on. Uh, I, just, <laughs> I, I like the old rivalries. I like we are playing Michigan State this year in the regular season. We were playing at Michigan for the first. Or, yeah, Michigan. We're playing at Michigan for the first time in I believe twelve years. Twelve years between trips. That's ridiculous when you share a conference with a team. It's ridiculous. I like being able to see, you know, every once in a while. I don't want a conference game to be like, oh, yeah, those guys still are in our conference. <sighs> okay. Linda Wilkins, Linda Wilkins, one of our regulars, comes in and says, I have a sailboat, sailboat like over the net. Uh, let's see. Shane Cotts on Facebook comes in and says, is losing Jeff Brom a three to four year setback? I don't think so. I think it's one or two uh, just because he's made, he's made the program better. I don't think people realize just how bad it was with uh, Daryl Hazel. I mean, just those nine wins, four of them were FCS teams. They won <laughs> five FBS games in four years. Five. And one of they only won one Big Ten home game, which was against Nebraska, and that's because um, uh, Riker Fife, I think Fife. it was, yeah, yeah, had an absolute meltdown of a game and had five turnovers. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason that Daryl Hazel won a Big Ten game at home. So, and I don't oh my the, the pro- program is better, and you know I can see a year maybe two drop off, but I like what Walters is doing and. I don't think he's going to bottom out like things did with Hazel. I mean, Hazel was one in eleven that first year. It was, it was awful. <laughs> Matt Hansen on Facebook says Nebraska football is an enigma as well. Yeah, it is. And I guess <laughs> con- considering that comment, you know, it's a lot harder. It's a hell of a lot harder these days uh to to look at you know because i asked i had scott doctorman who writes for the athletic about iowa on and asked him you know what do you think about you know 2023 and when you look at iowa they do have they picked up a lot of players in the portal that should help them quite a bit you know you have brian Ferenc, but you know what i mean but it's with the portal stuff going on you can't you can't make any solid picks about anything in the future I don't think so at all, unless you know. I you're just. I mean, if this, you're Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, Ohio right? State, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. I mean, those are your solid picks right now. You know, probably Clemson. Yeah, but I mean, it's five to ten programs that you know are going to be just fine regardless. Everybody else is trying to get whoever they can get, really. Right. Alan Meyer from way back at the beginning says, "John, you should change the animal the football player is riding to a mastodon." And uh, what he's referring to is the the little YouTube thumbnail, the thing we have for the show. Uh, the graphic is a is a artificial. It's generated by Midjourney, an AI tool, and it is a football player riding a cow. Well, I mean, you can change it to a mastodon if you ever start a football program for Purdue Fort Wayne. Well, you know what? Back in nineteen, this is part of my history of college football things. Uh, back in 1921, a Pittsburgh dispatch writer referred to Nebraska as a bunch of man-killing mastodons, hmm. which I think 
beats Cornhuskers any day of the week, but, you know, they didn't change. We could have had a live mascot with today's <laughs> technology. <laughs> well, uh, Purdue, it was very close to being the pumpkin shuckers or the cornfield sailors. What? Are you <laughs> uh, serious? Yes. Uh, back in the late 1800s, they had gone by a variety of names, and two of them were pumpkin shuckers and cornfield sailors. And they got boilermakers because uh, they beat local rival Wabash College just down the road from West Lafayette. And uh, they beat them so bad that the, Wabash, the Crawfordsville newspaper accused Purdue of getting ringers from the local uh, locomotive shop and therefore boilermakers. And it stuck from there. Pumpkin shuckers. I, I think that would have been awesome. Is that I'm, a real? I'm, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. And cornfield sailors. Cornfield sailors. Yes. I should go out and look at all the old Big Ten teams nicknames that were used somewhere in the past. Oh, I this was like late as, 1800s. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's that's my my most of my off season. This off season is spent. You know, I started at 1869. My next video out will be 1906, the first year the forward pass was legalized. But I think this year I'm going to stay between 1869 and like 1924. So, uh, and by the way, we will have a man killing mastodons, uh, t-shirt out soon at cobbycorn.com, which is our merch store. We have a merch store. Oh yeah. I don't have time to put all that together. I need to, but <laughs> see here, right there. You could go get, you could go get a coronation shirt. Oh, there you go. Yes. <sighs> all right. We usually go for an hour in conclusion. <laughs> so you think six and six or seven and five yeah that's that's about where i'm at um you know we i don't think aside from michigan and ohio state i don't think the schedule is too overly daunting and whatnot um you know wouldn't be surprised if you lose some of the games you wouldn't be surprised if you win some of those games i mean ohio state does have to come to west lafayette in october and i don't know if the bizarre voodoo hex is still valid but <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. So who do you think wins the Big Ten West? Uh, I don't know. I I always tend to uh, tend to go with Wisconsin uh, just because they are about as much of a sure thing as you've got in the Big Ten West. Um, they're always going to be right there in the middle of it. Uh, I don't know if Fickle – I don't know how Fickle's going to change things around, but – you know, for 20 years, it's been the same game plan every time that Purdue's lost to them. They have a very talented running back running behind five extremely large gentlemen that clear the way for him. You know, rinse, repeat. And then every once in a while, they uh, every once in a while they decide to run a jet sweep or a play action. <laughs> there, you, that's the Wisconsin you know, offense. You know, when I said who's going to win, the that was your perfect chance to suck up to me. What the hell? <laughs> For God's sakes. <laughs> I'll give you guys a year. I, I always give a year with a new coach. Okay. So. Linda Wilkins says, good night, John and Travis. Thanks for some great therapy tonight. Travis, thanks for stopping by. Because, uh, you know, there, I, that that's a good message. I mean, we're trying to get through. You know, my goal is to talk to 
all of our opponents and all the other Big Ten teams. Because I think what we do is we have this tendency to like look at Minnesota and go, oh, well, Tanner Morgan's gone and, and Mo Ibrahim's gone, so their team won't be any good. And you don't realize, yeah, they got good players coming in too, but who are those people and what are they going to do and what's changed? And, you know, people tend to pay attention to their own families and don't pay attention to other fam- other families. Because if they did, they'd find out that those families are just as dysfunctional as their own. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Again, wow. check, out our board. check out our board any time that Purdue basketball loses a game. It's uh, I've seen Purdue. that. I, I That's one of the things that I enjoy about Purdue losing basketball games. Roger Moore says, Travis, a breath of fresh air over get off my lawn, Todd. <laughs> wow. I am. I put that up here, Roger, just so I could use it against Todd when I talk to him next for not showing up tonight. Um, what what you need for Todd then is, you, have you ever seen the sign? I think it's from a construction site or a mining site in Australia. And it's got all these warnings with, you know, explosives being involved, do this, that, ever. And then it just has this little part of the sign that says, if there's a huge fuck up, call Todd, and it has a phone number. Really? <laughs> and that's all it says. So just just search for an image of huge fuck up, call Todd, and you'll find it, and you'll know exactly. Uh, you'll you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I love that sign. <laughs> well, yeah, what, we, you know, I can put graphics up. I don't have any. Oh my god! Look at this! Look at this! I figured out that I could put this up. <laughs> I can do live sales. Uh, okay, one more thing. It, it, it's going well at Rivals. Yes, it, it's going pretty well. I mean, we're we're settling in nicely. I think uh, I think we've got a pretty good following. My guys, Casey Bartley, Jace Jellison, and Kyle Holderfield, they have done a phenomenal job producing content for us and uh, making sure that we've hit the ground running as soon as it – because, I mean, we had to jump in in the middle of football season and right before basketball season starts. So – uh, you know, it's been great to have them along. They have done just an incredible, incredible job for us. And, uh, you know, I have to give them all the credit. I'm pretty much just the guy sitting in the back uh, signing the checks right now. I don't even write as much as I used to. But uh, it, it's nice to be there, <laughs> to be in that spot. So do you know the guys that run Hammer and Rails now? Yes. Uh, Drew Schneider and uh, Andrew Ledman, they had actually written for me for a very long time as well. And they agreed to stay on board and uh, keep control of the ship. So I'm grateful for that. I love that they were able to uh, keep that going and, uh, you know, have it, have some success in themselves. And I left the place in good hands. Uh, I love those guys. They've been a wonderful, wonderful addition over there because they were around for a long time, even before, even before I left. So, uh, you know, they're, they're doing a good job. Keep supporting them. Uh, I still talk to them all the time and I'm glad that they, they have everything in charge. And I just sent you a link to the, to the picture too. So I see that we're going to, we're going to put it, we're going to, this will be a graphic we use forever for Brandy night therapy. Uh, okay. That's, that's gonna That'll wrap it up for tonight. You know what we usually do when we sign off? Huh? We just say good night. Oh, there you go. There you go. I, it's been fun. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy how, always talking to you, John. It's been great. Uh, you're the best dead guy that I've spoken with. So, <laughs> Well, thank you. All right. Good night, Travis. Good night, John. Thanks a lot.